Welcome to Grace. So uh, we're back again with another quizzing update for you all, this time for our senior quizzer, Noah Watley. This past weekend, Noah and his team attended Louisiana State Finals at the Pentecostals of Alexandria. This is a tournament that qualifies a team to go to nationals, but you may remember a few months ago that Noah's team already qualified for nationals at Extravaganza. So while this tournament was just for fun for us, Noah still wanted to do well, and well he did. His team placed third overall, losing only to the first place team. Noah was also on the all-tournament team as one of the highest scores in the tournament. So now the grind begins for us. Noah has eight weeks until nationals. That's eight weeks to learn one-time words, two-time words, three-time words, ending phrases, animals, body parts, people, geographical locations, the list goes on. Can you tell how excited he is? <laughs> He's so excited. It's a lot of work, but it is so rewarding. So please keep us in your prayers as we prepare for nationals in a couple of months. Thank you, guys. Praise the Lord. Oh, let's do that again. Praise the Lord. That's more like it. Praise the Lord. It is good to see everyone here this morning. Thank you for joining us on live stream. I love Sunday mornings. Not only do I get to serve and, 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 and worship God, but I also see every Sunday morning as an opportunity to connect with Him. And I believe that you're going to have that opportunity in a few moments through worship and through the Word. And I pray that you take advantage of this. Don't let this day go by as just another Sunday morning. Don't, don't think about what you're going to do this afternoon. Be present with the Lord this morning, today. I only have a two, two announcements for you. Uh, prayer will be dismissed in June and July due to the camp season. And speaking of the camp season, we're going to ask all parents and campers of all camps to please meet in classroom two after the altar service. Don't rush through the altar service after it's over. Meet in classroom two with Brother Dave and Sister Farrah. Do we love the Lord this morning? No, that's a ridiculous question to ask this group of people. But can we show it? Can we demonstrate it to God and explain to Him through our gestures and words that we love Him this morning? Let's stand to our feet this morning and give the Lord praise.
there at the campground getting trained up for the coming next three youth camps. I think most of our youth group was planning to be at the campground for the next three weeks working youth camps. And we're happy about that, even though they are sorely missed here today. But we're happy they're involved in the kingdom. Amen. Let me go to the Word of God today. Mark chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. If I told you where I was at when this inspiration came, you may listen to it differently. So that being the case, I won't tell you. Maybe when it's over, I might tell you. I do want to mention those of you that were here Wednesday night. Uh, what a great, great time. Uh, we introduced the big secret Wednesday night. If you were not here Wednesday night, you'll have to go back and watch Facebook Live, live stream, or podcast, or see somebody that was here. But we had a great time. I'll go ahead and I'll, I'm just teasing here for a moment. Uh, but we uh, introduced to you Connect Groups. We're going to be pursuing that ferociously, and I am thankful. I believe we have 16 people that signed up to be group leaders, and I am so pumped and excited about that. I can hardly contain myself. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Amen. And uh, soon and very soon, uh, we're going to have a, a meeting, a training meeting, hopefully by this coming Sunday. We'll have a date for you. And then I'll go ahead and tell you we have one more secret. Uh, that we will be telling you about in the next couple of Sundays. You may be seeing some hints and things like that around the building here in the near future. But uh, just stay tuned, and uh, we have one more cat to let out of the proverbial bag. So uh, we're excited. Great things are happening at Grace Church. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And again he entered, that is Jesus, <clears throat> into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised, that he was in the house. And straightway, many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him. Everybody say they. They came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he, Jesus, was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed whereon the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man speak? Uh, thus speak blasphemies who can forgive sins but God only and immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves he said unto them why reason ye these things in your heart whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy thy sins be forgiven thee or to say arise and take up thy bed and walk but that you might know that the son of man hath power on earth to forgive sins he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thy house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. 
It would probably take me a couple hours today to unpack all of this today that just brain rushed my head several days ago, but I'm going to keep this relatively short and get to the point. I want to preach to you for just a few minutes this morning when you're over your head with Jesus. When you're over, when you excuse me, when you're in over your head with Jesus. When you're in over your head with Jesus. Everybody say, thank God for the word. Thank you for standing and you may be seated. The house was packed out that day because when Jesus went to that house, everybody started talking about it and the house was packed out. We're not packed out here today, but Jesus is here nonetheless. And I believe he is here today to do an amazing miraculous great work for somebody somebody's here today if you will lend yourself to the faith that's in this building right now we all know I'm going to trust today that we all know what it means to be in over your head with a situation in your life it typically means that your life or life choices have spun out of control you're at a dead-end street. You've gone as far as you can go. And it appears there is no hope for a good outcome for a good future. There's just seemingly no more hope when you're in over your head. How would it make you feel today, and I'm talking to everybody, how would it make you feel today if you were given the opportunity to be in over your head with Jesus. Does that sound like a bad thing to anybody here today? Does that sound like a, a negative thing here today? I know Daniel didn't want to be in over his head with lions. That's a real negative thing, and that's where some of you are today, but Jesus knows how to stop the mouths of lions. And Daniel ended up being in that pit of lions Surrounded by an angelic host, I think having a pretty good time when it was all said and done. Y'all don't have to hoist me up out of here too quick now. Give y'all a minute to get your head around that. How about the three Hebrew boys? It's interesting that there was three thrust into the fire, but it ended up being four. For those of you that were here Wednesday night, the king said, the likeness of that fourth man is like unto the Son of God. And I think they had a similar experience that Daniel did. Y'all don't have to get us out of here too quick because we're in over our head with God Almighty. And as long as I'm in over my head with Jesus, I don't have to worry about the lions. I don't have to worry about the fire. I don't have to worry about anything around me right now because I'm in the hand of God. So I want to ask somebody again. Well, how would you feel if you were given the opportunity today before you leave this service to be in over your head with Jesus? Would you want to try? In our scripture text today, and most of you are familiar with it, we're introduced to a man that is in over his head with a physical condition called the palsy. Palsy is a shorter form of paralysis. It's the loss of 
sensation. It's the loss of sensation or the power of motion or both. And any part of the body sometimes affecting the whole body, sometimes only affecting one side, sometimes affecting the whole body below the neck. He was not able to do much of anything for himself. Palsy can also mean someone is having seizures over and over and over again. This man was over in over his head with his physical condition. He was also in over his head with his bed or his cot. He could never be free from it. He could never be absent from it. He always had to be in his bed carried around by other people. Not only that, he was in over his head financially. And it's interesting to me in this story, no mention of family is there. I read it two or three times, and I don't see anywhere in this story that his family was anywhere around. This man was in over his head. He had no hope. He was on rock bottom, and he had no hope, no future. It seemed that no one really cared, that nobody really understood his plight, and that he couldn't sink in life any lower, or so he thought. The next descent in life that he would take would be the best thing that ever happened to him. He was fixed to hit another rock bottom in a few moments. He was fixing to go lower than most people in our world are willing to go. But I'm glad one day I chose to go a little bit lower in my in over it in my head situation. And I've had several of those. When I thought I couldn't get any lower, I got a little bit lower down to where Jesus was. Jesus is always waiting at our rock bottom. He's always waiting in our hardest difficulty. He's always there in our most difficult circumstance. Jesus is not afraid of what you're going through. He's not absent with what you're going through. But he is an ever-abiding friend that sticks closer than a brother, the Bible says. But I haven't... I had this pointed out to me this week just through inspiration in my own head. Where he didn't have any money, where he didn't have any family, where he didn't have any future or hope, what he did have was four friends. I can assure everybody here this morning, you have... One, two, three, four friends. If you don't have anybody else in the house today that likes you, that likes to be around you, that even wants to fool with you, here's four right here. We'll pray with you. We'll challenge your faith. We'll do whatever it takes to get you closer to Jesus. You, so you have four. Now I'm going to gun today for four others because there may be somebody else that you feel a little closer to that you're friends with more than these four that I just pointed out. So you listen very carefully as we traverse through this, the rest of this message. He didn't have family, money, future, hope, none of that. 
But what he did have was four friends. I want you to notice this here today. You don't find, and I read the scripture two or three times, you don't find this man complaining. As a matter of fact, you don't hear him say anything when you read the text. I read it, he don't say anything. Never opens his mouth the entire time. At least that the Bible records. Everybody listen. What he did have was four friends that got tired of seeing him in that condition. I don't see a great manifestation of faith from this man. I don't see a great desire to be healed from this man. His four friends, his four friends got on board with this man's plight. I don't think y'all are still hearing me yet. They couldn't take his hurting anymore. They were fine. Things in their life were going pretty good. Everything in their life seemed to be put together pretty well. But they had this friend that was paralyzed. And they got tired of it. They were tired of his hurting. They couldn't take that hopeless, helpless feeling they got from him every time they were around him. They couldn't deal with it anymore that his faith was waning and that he was so discouraged he didn't want to face another day. He was so depressed all the time that nothing good or positive ever came out of his mouth. They reached a point. They had a little light that went off in their head. Somebody hear me today. Dear God, somebody hear me today. They had a little light go off in their head. You know what we do? Sometimes we wait around. I'm going out of our tradition here today just for this one service. We're going to step out of our tradition. I want everybody here today to start thinking about somebody you know right now that's in this building that's hurting so bad right now. They don't know what to do. We have two people here today that just experienced a death in their family this week. There's families in this building that's going through some level of domestic turmoil and strife and what have you. There's people here today that need some help. And if you think about the last two or three conversations you've had with them, you've probably heard a little bit of it bleed through their tone of voice or their body language, or maybe they just told you straight up. We wait We've been taught to wait. I've taught you to wait. If somebody here today needs God, just wait till they make a move. Wait till you see that tear in the eye. Wait till you see them gripping the back of the chair in front of them so hard and their knuckles are white. Before you go talk to them, we're going to break tradition today. I don't read in this text where those four friends went and had this long conversation with this guy, and this guy said, no, I don't want to. They couldn't take his hopelessness anymore, and he knew they cared deeply for him. This past Wednesday night, we handed out four different colored checkers. One of our young people after church Wednesday night wanted mine, and I gave it to him. 
When you got that different color checker, one of the four colors, you were then asked to find the people that had the same color checkers you had set with them. I'd like to show you today that that one checker of the same color unified 25% of the people that were here. The other 25% were unified around the other color and so on and so on. Could we think just for a moment, had we presented a need to all those people with a red checker or all those people with a white checker or the black checker or whatever colors they were, if we had presented a specific need to that group, what you could have done, what you would have done. I need somebody to feel me right now. Nobody would have said, well, Pastor, I don't feel all that good either. You know, my back's hurting right back here. And, you know, I've had this issue going on in my, my right kneecap. And my left earlobe has been bothering me. And come up with all these petty things, whatever, whatever. But if there was a serious enough need, like a man paralyzed, submitted to any one of these groups and you could have helped them, you would have given it all you had. I want to create that environment here today. I want to pretend today that every one of us have a checker here today that's all the same color. We're not divided into four different groups. But we're all here. We're all here for the same reason and the same purpose. And I believe there's a handful of people here today that know somebody here right now that's got some hurt going on in their life and a whole lot of it. And you want to do something to help. You don't want to offend anybody. You don't want to embarrass anybody. You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I just want to do something to help. I want to show you the power of four when you can connect it. These four men got together. I'm trying to think if there's somebody here today named Johnny. If there is, I'm talking about the guy in the Bible, not you. Unless you're hurting. And if you're hurting, then I'm talking about you. But these four guys got together, and they said, uh, Hey, fellas, my good friend Johnny, he's in real bad shape, man. Man, he's in bad shape. I think we ought to do something to help him. That man has been laying on that bed, that cot, that stretcher, for months, even years. The doctors have tried everything. Nobody can get him up. He's paralyzed, probably from his neck down. And I heard that Jesus was going to a no-names person's house. The name of the person is not mentioned in the scripture. Y'all can listen. We're just having a little conversation up here. This no-name guy, the, the, the reason Jesus couldn't get in the door is he'd gone to a rich person's house that had been two-story. And they'd had an open room upstairs, kind of the upper room concept. The poor guy that Jesus was visiting that day, whoever he was, didn't have that. So everybody just packed into this little bitty house. I need my picture up there, Brother Nate, if you don't mind. Uh, so, um, so I've got an idea. I know the house is packed out. But let's get our friend because we're so tired of seeing him hurt. Let's go get him. We're going to take him to that house, and we're going to get him in that house, y'all hear me. And then in the course of conversation, we discuss all around, all around. This isn't rehearsed, obviously. 
uh, we're going we discussed all around all around how we're gonna get him in the door how we're gonna put him through a window we've discussed all that and brother Jason over here the radical comes up with this idea <laughs> we're gonna haul our friend up to the top of that house I don't know the man that owns that house he's kind of a nobody anyway I don't know him and we're gonna tear his roof off they made no commitment either to go help put it back. But we're going to tear his roof off. Point is, is we're going to get our buddy. We're going to get Johnny to Jesus today. No matter what it takes. No matter what it takes. So, y'all don't have to do this. Just stay right there. So they get up. And they go over to where Johnny's staying. And I don't know where Johnny stays. But it's not in a good place either because he don't have any money. No mention of family. Probably living outside the gate somewhere as a beggar, probably where he lives. And they go over and they tell Johnny, here's Johnny, everybody meet Johnny. <clears throat> and they tell Johnny, we've got an idea, dude. Well, that's an elder here, brother dude. We're going to take you and your cot over to No Name's house across town. Because Jesus is there. And we're going to get you in. And if we can't get you through the door, we're going to climb up to the roof of that house. And we're going to tear the roof off of it. But you're seeing Jesus today. You're going to see Jesus today. See, y'all still aren't hearing me. You're going to see Jesus today. We're going to see to it that you're seeing Jesus today. There's four of us, and we're in total agreement. Each end, each one of us is going to have one end of your cot. You're going to be carried as safely as we can make this. But you're going to see Jesus today. We're not waiting until tomorrow. We're not going to wait for a better crowd. We're not going to wait for some special occasion when he's out in a field somewhere feeding the multitudes and he's easier to get to. I know so-and-so the other day told me that this guy, that Jesus is in his house, it's a real tiny house and it's jammed crammed with people. But, but somehow or another, we're going to get you into that house to see Jesus. I need about four or five people here right now to start getting determined about your friend. I'm going to get you to Jesus today. And so the man by all rights says, well, what are y'all going to do? Did you say you're going to tear the roof off? Do you realize how big of a hole that's going to have to be to get a grown man laying down on a cot down into that house? And their response was, none of that matters. We don't care about the roof. We don't care about how big the hole is. I know it sounds crazy, it sounds radical, but the radical guy back there is the one that came up with the idea. So we're going to follow through. We agree on it. It's not traditional. We're not interested in touching his garment from behind when he's walking away. We're not going to be ashamed. We're not going to be embarrassed. We're not going to feel humiliated. We're not trying to embarrass you, Johnny. We're not trying to humiliate you. All we want to do is get you to Jesus today. Uh, 
it's interesting in here. Here's where you need more time to unpack this, but I'm just going to keep moving. Get a picture of that in your head. I think that's pretty decent. You can see the hole in the roof, and they've let this guy down. The first thing Jesus said, let me tell you what he didn't say. He didn't say, that's pretty remarkable. Y'all tore this man's roof off. Look, when y'all leave, I'll fix it with just one point of my finger. I'll take it. He didn't do that. He didn't compliment. He didn't applaud. He didn't tell nobody to move. I think they just heard all the commotion. You've heard the story. You've heard this preached a thousand times. It's funny how packed out that house was until that stretcher came down from the roof. And somehow they found a little more room for it. You know what that tells me? Is somebody got pushed outside. Somebody that really wasn't there for anything real important. They, they just willingly gave up their seat. And so they just moved on outside to make room for this stretcher. So here comes this man. The first thing Jesus did. He did the important thing first. He looked at the man... And again, you don't hear anything coming out of this man's mouth. Jesus just looked at him and said, All of your sin, whatever it was, it doesn't matter how big, bad, small, dark, bleak, how horrible, it doesn't matter what you've done. All of your sins are forgiven just like that. I don't know what that means to you. But that does something to the average heart of the average man that just that alone, whether he was healed or not, took a huge load off of his shoulders. Somehow or another, he didn't even feel like he weighed the same as he used to. Something happened on the inside of him. And maybe for the first time, the faith of his four friends finally got to his heart when all that sin had been eradicated. And he started feeling a little faith of his own that, that just maybe something good can happen to me today. Just maybe something amazing could happen to me today. I'm here to preach to somebody today. When you get in over your head with Jesus, all kinds of amazing things happen. Sister Murph and I were talking about it the other day when the brother and sister Gums was here. And uh, she actually went and pulled this piece of paper out of the file. And had I thought about it soon enough, I'd have sent it to our media booth and they could have posted it for you. If you can get it back there to them, Sister Murph, they might be able to put it on the screen. We were having a youth revival when we were in Baker a number of years ago, a long time ago. And uh, Kelton Nose brought some friends of his, people that he essentially grew up with. He brought them to church. And uh, actually, Brother Greg Albritton was preaching that night. And uh, Kelton was still young enough, I guess, to kind of be under curfew. So these kids came to the altar, and all three of them prayed through the Holy Ghost. It's two girls and a boy prayed through the Holy Ghost. But the oldest girl, we couldn't get her to stop speaking in tongues. Kelton had to leave because of his curfew. We didn't know who these kids were. And we sure didn't know where they lived. And you didn't have smartphones and all that back then like you do now. So we waited and waited and waited. And so every time we'd ask her, how are you feeling? We'd get the, uh, what's your name? Okay, you have to do a little better. We, uh, 
If you get that picture, Nathan, just hold it till I call for it. Uh, so he kept asking her questions. So finally we went to the next sister. Where do y'all live? Well, I know the name of the street, but I don't know where the house is. I can't find it at night. The boy was real little. He didn't know. So there we were. Even Brother Greg reached a point where he had to leave. So there it was Sister Murphy and I with these three kids. Didn't know them and didn't know where they lived. So finally, we asked the girl, the oldest girl, well, won't you come into my office? I'll give you a piece of paper, and you can write down your address for us. Did you send him that picture? You have it? He's, there it is. That's her address. Not only could she not speak English, she couldn't write in English. That is speaking in tongues and writing. Line after line after line. She got so frustrated with her own self about to sin again. But she came, she got angry, but sinned not. She got so frustrated, she tore that sheet of paper off right there and started writing again. Same thing, same thing. Finally, well after an hour, I couldn't imagine how her parents felt. Where are my kids and who all are they calling and all that kind of stuff. Finally, we were able to get their, her address. I don't remember how we got it. But this little girl talked in tongues all the way home. Her mother told us later, who her mom and dad were backslidden at the time, told us later that she didn't start speaking in tongues until the next day around noon, or speaking English around noon the next day. You know what she did? She got in over her head with Jesus. Her life for that 24 hours, earthly wise, was pretty useless. She couldn't do, she couldn't communicate with anybody. All she could do was talk to Jesus in tongues. And if you look at that close, that ain't scribbling. Those, those are heavenly words. If I've ever seen them, those are heavenly words right there. Jesus forgave her sin. And she was content to stay in over her head with Jesus for a little while. Can I ask anybody today? What's wrong with that? As good as this man felt on his cot, Jesus decided to take it a step further, Brother Billy. He said, you know what? Just to show this crowd here today that don't believe I can forgive sin, let me show them that I can. The man still hasn't said nothing. Jesus finally looks at him and says, take up your bed and walk. You're here. We have come, there's people here today that have come to discount the power of the Holy Ghost. But there was something about the forgiveness of sins and repentance that happened in that man that day that opened a door, that kicked the door open and kicked the door open wide. It opened it so much that that man could have believed God to create another universe when, for as far as I'm concerned. I believe his friends were still on the roof. They was probably doing a Holy Ghost dance. Some of them was probably running around out in the yard. Couldn't believe it. It worked. It worked. Not only we just wanted the man healed, but look at that. Jesus forgave his sin. He got a twofer here today. He was forgiven and he got a miracle. And now he's standing there with his bed in his hand. And he's got a whole new future ahead of him. I want everybody to listen today. Do not discount the power of the Holy 
Holy Ghost. Don't discount the power of forgiveness. Don't discount the power of a move of God in your life. When you get in over your head with Jesus, it's a game changer. It's a life changer. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord today and shout yes. Now, when we think of sin from this man, you might think that he used to be a bank robber and he might have been a murderer and he might have been this and that. No, I believe that that moment of repentance, God took away his past, his past of disappointment, his past of low self-esteem. I'm worthless. I'm useless. I can't work. I can't support a family. He took away the load of sin, the shame, the guilt, the disappointment, the betrayal, the failure. He took away all of that. So having his sin removed created the perfect mindset. Having his sin removed created the perfect mindset for a miracle. And Jesus healed him. So here he comes back to his family, whoever they are, with his bed in his hand. Forgiveness making him a better man. His miracle making him a better man. God took care of him. He got in over his head with Jesus. I believe that all of us today believe that Jesus is in the house today. And most of us is aware of someone here today that is in over their head with some grueling life circumstance. Life is not going well. Marriage is not going well. Family's not going good. The kids aren't doing well. Finances aren't going good. The list goes on and on and on. But Grace Church, what could happen to that person if four people in this room right now got together and said, we're taking our friend to Jesus today? Four friends full of faith, full of power, full of the Holy Ghost. What if these four trusted friends got together in faith and unity and decided that we have to see our we, we've seen our friends suffer long enough and we're going to get connected and we're all going to get our friend to Jesus today no matter what it takes yes I can't even imagine that how crazy and ludicrous and ridiculous their plan was but it worked that's why I would like to remove our umbrella of tradition here for a little while today. Not let's wait for the person to move that needs Jesus. What if there were one, two, three, four people here today that they trusted? Not random sister so-and-so from the other side of the building that never even speaks to them. Not that person. But friends. Friends whom they trust that determines we're going to get our friend in the presence of the Lord today. Whatever it takes. It's interesting to me that there's two people that these four friends would not take the answer no from. There's two people. One is I'm not going to take no as an answer from my paralyzed friend who is paralyzed by a situation that happened 
in their past. They can't hardly move. They can't think. They can't focus. They're not productive in their life. None of that. We're not going to take no from him. We, we pointed out Brother Johnny over here. And Brother Johnny's going to say, no, I, I, I'm not in agreement with you. If y'all just walk, wanted to walk me in and just carry me in real gently to the feet of Jesus, you know, through the front door, that wouldn't be too bad. But let me down through the roof if you lost your mind. What if I fall off this cot? What are you going to do? I'll, I'll end up even worse. I don't know how it could have been any worse, but maybe it would have died. I don't know. But, I, I, but they persuaded him. Brother Billy, I believe God appointed a couple of angels to kind of assist on that little invisible elevator ride down from where the roof was to where Jesus was. All the man needed was four friends that could persuade him to let us get you to Jesus and your life will never be the same. You can say no, but we're going to insist. You can argue, but we're going to argue back. You can debate it, but we're going to debate you back because we know what can happen when you're in over your head with Jesus. You think you're on rock bottom right now, but really you're not because you don't really feel Jesus where you're at right now. If you get really down another floor, go down a little bit more, in your dilemma. Go down a little bit further in your plight. That's where Jesus is. And when you do, everything changes in your life. The other person that they wouldn't take no for an answer was from Jesus. They were so confident if we can get our friend to Jesus, we could even persuade Jesus not to say no. Does it kind of seem to you that maybe Jesus could have said no to this man just by himself? But you got these four dudes up here. Man, they just tore this man's house up. I mean, for the sake of the four friends and the dude that owns the house, I'm going to have to do something to make all this worthwhile. So, okay, I guess. Go just take up your bed and walk and go on home. It's all okay. I'll find somebody to fix a roof and have it done free of charge or whatever. It's okay. Just have this overwhelming God can change someone's life. He can change your mind. He can change your perspective about your circumstance. God can change how you look at things. God can make you feel better. He can make your family better. If you're just willing to trust some friends that may come up to you in a few minutes, just tap you on the shoulder and say, let me persuade you to walk down here with me. And we have some more friends up here waiting. And we're going to all pray together. Before you leave here today, you're going to be a different person. Matthew Henry said it this way as you stand with me this morning. Talking about the man that was paralyzed, Matthew Henry said, It was his misery, it was his misery that he needed to be so carried. It speaks of the calamitous state of human life. But it was their charity, the four friends, it was their charity and compassion and care who did so carry him and bespeaks the compassion 
that it is justly expected should be in the children of men toward their fellow creatures in distress. Because we know not how soon the same distress may be our own. But these kind, these kind relations or neighbors thought if they could but carry this poor man one time to Christ, that they should not need to carry him anymore. We will only need to carry you one time. And therefore made hardship to get him to Jesus. And when they could not otherwise get to him, they uncovered the roof where Jesus was. There's at least two people here today on board with me. One's already manifested. But as they begin to sing softly and people begin to pray, I'm going to ask somebody, when you feel somebody walk up and tap you on the shoulder, don't say no to that. Not today. Not today. Let somebody help you. Let somebody Believe, God, we believe for it. 
See 